0: Welcome to the Don't Trip on the Usual travel podcast from Beyond Experiences. My name is Anand. I'm going to speak with you today about a very small, nondescript town called Palakkad, Or Palakhat as it was once called. It's one of the smaller towns of the state of Kerala in South India. My hometown. It's a small town, very non-descript town, no pretensions to grandeur or historical significance or romance or anything like that. It's just naturally beautiful, it's very simple, it boasts of a very quiet, simple, laid-back life where you're not aspiring to too much, neither are you deprived of anything. It's just nice, it's a way of being. It's my hometown. I love it. My village is a small one in this district, though Palgat is a town. uh, It's also the district and my village is about 20-odd kilometers from Palgat. I haven't uh, given much of thought to traveling around here, you know, till now. Leave alone exploring the hidden nooks, corners and history here. You know, I'd get into a Svalbard, I'd get into a Sweden, I'd get into a Kiruna or Lapland and go about exploring nooks and corners and stuff. I've never done it for my hometown in Palghar. After all, it's the one place you went to every year from early childhood. You know, I've grown up outside of Kerala. And every year you'd go out here and then you'd, when you're there, the time uh, passes in a flash. Many social commitments, uh, other things to be done, friends to be met, relatives to be met, and things like that, and you know, one never really goes around uh, like a traveler in this place. In Hindi, they have a nice uh, saying about this. They say, ghar ki murgi dal or roughly translated, the chicken at home, or the chicken preparation at home, is similar to dal, a very simple common dish. Last month I had gone into Palghar in these COVID times, you know, I had gone into to meet mom and uh, uh, you had to spend uh, or everyone had to spend a couple of weeks after you went there quarantining yourself. And after that, I was there for another couple of weeks uh, spending time there. Not too much of traveling around, too many restrictions on moving around the place, etc. But And some of the time was spent cooped up in my uh, on, on my floor of the house. For me, it's it's always been about the simple life and somehow it's always been about coconut trees and the absolutely gorgeous sunsets that you get to see through the trees, you know, through those fronds, etc. Of course, the other products of the trees like toddy and all of that is also great and I love them. And sunsets take on a whole new meaning when you're having it with a little bit of toddy, when you're watching it with a little bit of toddy, but but, (laughs) that's the way it is. Anyway, so I can never have enough of it. Uh, It's that beautiful. But in this state of isolation, fabulous natural beauty around, I decided for some reason to look up the history of Balkan. To figure out there was some hidden quirk. Surprisingly, there were many. And then I stayed back to check out some of them. You know, it's fascinating. uh, uh, Some of the things that I discovered. He has this small town, nondescript. I had never thought much about anything else that it could have anything to do with history and the way, the shaping of this country or the politics, nothing. It's just another small town, at best a railway station on the large uh, uh, railway map of this country. Nothing else. And no pretensions either. Did you know that Palgat and Madagascar, exotic Madagascar, uh, uh, off the coast of Africa, did you know they have a shared history? There is a connection, which I just figured. So. Uh, Let me take you back um, many millions of years ago. In the past, before life began on Earth, this planet essentially was a a steaming cauldron, so to say. Metals and iron and all of them boiling out, steam, vapour floating about. Uh, The moon was so close, uh, you know, possibly that the day was like five, six, seven hours long. And it all slowly settled down to form the seas and the land as we know it. Then the land masses crashed into each other floated around, broke apart, inexorably reshaped itself into the shape that we see now. For instance, a large landmass comes in from the south and comes and hits against a landmass in the north. In that uh, uh, collision, where the collision happens, at that place, the land moves upwards and that's how the Himalayas get formed, right? Now, after all this is done, the southern part, Jambudripa, I mean, India was very much part of uh, all of this action, right? Uh, the Indian subcontinent, Africa, Sri Lanka, Madagascar, Australia, New Zealand, all of them, even Antarctica, all of them were one mass at one point in time, like one mass, one solid mass of land, right? So you could technically walk up from Delhi to Perth or something, but, uh, Then they started breaking apart. How do you figure out that they are breaking apart? It was like millions of years ago, There's no written history. There were no men to rewrite the history, for God's sake. So how do you figure this out? Apparently what biologists do, is that uh, they take inference on the similarity in the kind of rocks and minerals on these lands. The flora, the fauna, the topography. These are a jigsaw puzzle that fit into each other snugly. And that's how they realize they have broken apart. Here's a clincher. The western ghats with the palghat gap fits perfectly snugly with a range of mountains and a corresponding uh, 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 extrusion, so to say, in Madagascar. Perfectly snug. So, there are these guys called Gunnell and Harbour who are apparently very well renowned uh, authorities in geology, etc. They wrote on the subject and they published in the Journal of the Geological Society of India. They did this in 2008, and uh, you know, when I was hunting around for this, I chanced upon this article. A okay, very, very technical kind of an article. I had to take the help from a friend to understand the whole thing. Uh, let me kind of translate it and tell you the gist of what they are saying or what they said in this. Okay? It would have been scientifically proven, that's it's published in the Geological Survey and all that. What they're saying is there's a small gap in the Western Ghats between Nilgiri's and Annamalai Ranges. This is between the towns of Coimbatore and Palgat. Technically that gap falls in Palgat itself and that's why it's called the Palakat Gap. Now this piece of coast and the eastern coast of Madagascar were once one mass of land. There's an Angawo entrapment in Madagascar and the Palakat Gap, they fit perfectly. The entrap- entrapment is in Madagascar, eastern side of Madagascar and that's around 5000 kilometres away. What they say is that Madagascar remained attached to India. It was part of the Dharwar Craton rocks apparently. And then a major underwater volcanic eruption happened. That's the Marion hotspot. The land was torn apart and the flowing lava kept widening the gap to this 5,000-odd kilometers, is, which is what it is now. The Angawa entrapment matches the Western Ghats geologically in terms of the rocks and the flora and stuff like that. There's a Ranoksara Gap in Madagascar which matches the Pal- Palakkad Gap. This is why the plant and animal life in Madagascar resemble Indian ones more than the ones in Africa. Fairly simple, isn't it? The Palakkad Gap is where the damn land broke off. I suddenly have new respect for my hometown. Yeah, Significant role in formation of the world. And here I thought it's just a damn uh, a railway station in, a, in the blip of the railway map of the country. Kilometers from my village and I passed through it like hundreds of times without realizing its significance. I have, every time i passed, I've only cribbed at the heat or the uh, monsoon or the rain or there's a checkpost there called the Valayar checkpost and, and it's very nearly crowded. I've cribbed at the traffic there, the people manning those places. That's it. I never even thought that this could have influenced uh, uh, the way India was from, the way the world was from, the way the world map was formed. Yeah. You know, today, the Balgat Gap is a low mountain pass. Okay. It's a gateway to Kerala from Tamil Nadu. The state of Kerala and Tamil Nadu uh, uh, in South India are close to each other. The Western Guards kind of separates them, and this is the gateway into Kerala because it's a pass. It connects uh, one large town in Tamil Nadu is called Coimbatore. It connects that to Palakkad. Palakkad is not a very large town; it's a very small town. The elevation is almost at sea level. It's about 150 meters, and so it got a width of over 25-30 kilometers. And that's where the checkpost is, the Valer checkpost, post, Perineally crowded, perpetual pain in the wrong place for uh, whenever you drive by, the narrow stretch. Scenic beauty is, of course, fabulous. There is the Bharadapura River that originates here and flows down. It goes to the sea in the distance. This gap has always been, it may seem very insignificant, and it had seemed insignificant to me for a long time. But huge significance even in the history. We just saw, you know, more than or close to 100 million years ago how it was significant in the world map. But it was significant in the ancient times also, or recent times also. Um, it played a huge role in the history and trade. You know, from the 3rd to the 13th century, this gap is through which human migration happened from other parts of South India. The Cheras uh, who uh, who ruled over Kerala, ruled this region sitting in Karur in Tamil Nadu. Because of this gap, because they had easy access. Therefore, this is a route that the Tambrams, the Tamil Brahmins, took when they came in from Tamil Nadu. They made the cultural fabric of Palakkad very different from the rest of Kerala. Even the language in Palakkad is very different. The Malayalam we speak in Palakkad has a, a huge amount of a Tamil influence, and it's very different from the rest of the uh, state of Kerala. This is why it was a vital cog in the, the wheel of trade in the region, so to say. It links the eastern and western coast of the Indian Peninsula and therefore shape, maritime, all of that. In terms of weather, this gap impacts the weather of South India, for God's sake. This is the gap through which the southwest monsoon winds pass into Tamil Nadu. Tamil Nadu doesn't get much rains, right? The southwest monsoon winds come in. If the gap had not been there, they wouldn't have passed the western Ghats. All the rain would be in Kerala and Tamil Nadu would re- remain, uh, you know, uh, maybe a desert kind of an area. This is what brings these winds out here, moisture-related winds. They bring the much reader rains there. Cool Tamil will run down to a certain extent. On the other hand, it also allows warm winds from Tamil Nadu to, um, uh, reach, uh, to reach Kerala and therefore the eastern part of Kerala is warmer than the rest. Therefore, the impact on agriculture. Therefore, there's so much of paddy cultivation there. And that's why Palgat is known as uh, the granary of Kerala. This cross-ventilation, in a sense, makes the climate very pleasant for most of the Summers can be unbearable, okay, because of the heat. But lots of rainfall, many rivers, eight of them uh, dams, and hence fabulous for agriculture. Largest producer, Palgar is the largest producer of rice in Kerala. It's called the Granary of Kerala. 150,000 hectares of forest land, including the Silent Valley. Why the name Palakarta? Lot of debate and disagreement on this. Some people say it is because this was a land with lots of uh, trees that are locally called the Pala trees. So much so that it was a forest of these trees. So it was once called Sheri and then Palakat meaning the Pala tree forest in Malayalam which is the language of Kerala. There's another reason that is attributed by some. They say that and this is something I don't know about. I've heard of this place called Jainamedu in in, in my hometown in Palgar. And I thought it was just another name. I hadn't even thought about it. I mean do you think about it? For instance, let's say you're in uh, you're in Bombay and a uh, uh, place is called Chembur. Uh, why is it called Chembur? You have no idea. You just call it Chembur, and you've called it that all the time. Right? <laughs> there is no other reason. You don't even think about it. Or you're in uh, England and you're in, in the Lake District. A place is called Windermere. A very nice romantic name. But why is it called Windermere? God knows. No one ever thinks about it. Right? Similarly, I never thought of why it was called Jainamedu. Apparently, it was called Jainamedu because of an ancient Jain temple that was there in Palga. And it's still there in palagat It's a five-century-old temple. There apparently was a very large population of Jains who stayed in Palagar, Some 400-500 families. And 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 even now, some of them exist. And they had built this temple. I didn't know about it. The last time a friend of mine uh, who's a Jain had visited Palakar, I told him there's nothing much to see there. I sent him off to some forest and so on and so forth. He came down to my house and I, I if I knew this, I'd taken him there. Vikram Bhutorya, next time you come there, you are coming with me to the Jain temple. I am sorry last time I didn't show it to you. So, the language of that ancient faith was Pali. And hence the name Pali Ghat or the land of the Pali language. That's the way, that's why they say that uh, the name Pali came in. Jain Amedo, by the way, still exists there. Not much about the history of Pala Ghat, Okay, everywhere else you have lots of history and if it's a large town, you will have lots of history. I had never heard about the history of this place. That is written about it. But in this limited amount of time that I researched it, I realized that the Perumal dynasty ruled Palakkad in the first century AD. Then came the uh, small chieftains who came in the Kolangod Rajas, the Valluokonadri, the Shekari Varma Rajas, and. Around the second or the third century, I don't know when it was, different accounts that are there, the Pandavas from Kanchipuram also tried to come in and uh, capture this region because that would control the access into the Malabar region and Kerala itself. There's a mention of a major war between the King of Palakkad and the invading uh, King of Komunad in a place called Chittur, which is again a stone's throw from Palakkad. It's in the same district, in the 10th century. There's a celebration that happens in Palakkad in most villages. Okay, I didn't know what it was for. I just assumed it was another celebration like we all do in India. This victory is what is celebrated there, apparently, (laughs) with these uh, Annual uh, celebration that happens with elephants and firecrackers and stuff, stuff like that. The Calicut, there were the Zamorins who were the kings of Calicut, they were regular invaders into this place. So, sometime in 1757 uh, AD, the king of Palakkad sought the help of Hyder Ali, who was the king of Mysore, against these Calicut uh, Zamorins. Hyder Ali comes and gladly obliges, defeats the Zamorin, and then take the annexes Palakkad to his own kingdom. The <laughs> happy Arman was. His son Tipu Sultan then became the ruler and Tipu Sultan was the sworn enemy of the British and those anglo mysore wars that happened, you know about them, uh, the three mysore wars and then uh, after that, in the final one, after the three of them, in the final one, the fourth, Tipu loses out to the British and that is when palakkad passes on to the British. They made it a part of Madras presidency and it remained part of the Madras state even after independence. 1947, India got independence, but till 1956, it was part of Madras state. That is when Kerala as a state was formed and Palakkad became a part of Kerala. This is the history of it. Much of it I didn't know about. I knew about Tipu, I knew there was a fort that he had, etc. I didn't know about the other things that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, the war, uh, for instance, against the Pallavas, all of this, or the King of Kongunad, I didn't know about these things. Many, many places of interest in Palakkad. It's beautiful. I mean, you know, as far as nature is concerned, uh, the Silent Valley Park. and uh, It's a national park. It's famous for its evergreen, pristine nature. It's called the Silent Valley because you never hear any chirping of birds here. You can't get in there. You have to have permissions to get into the core area. But the buffer area is, is a place that you can get into and there are places to stay, etc. Malambura is a uh, is a dam. It's about 10 kilometers from Palgat. Fabulous natural beauty. There's a Nelyambadi Hills nearby, very close to my village actually about 40 kilometers from there. Mountains, very cool break. You can have there lots of estates and tea and so on. Oranges, uh, lots of trekking, lots of nature. two points if you're a photography enthusiast. And then there are various dams, there are waterfalls like the Dhoni Waterfall, there's the Ceravadi Reservoir, there's Meen which is the origin of the Thupanadu River that forms a 10-step waterfall. Very beautiful. Um, on wildlife, you've got your uh, peacock sanctuary with lots of... Uh, no prizes for guessing peacocks. It's very close to Palgar town. Uh, there's Paramikulam, which is a wildlife, it's actually a beautiful place, absolutely pristine. Uh, it, it is a tiger reserve. And uh, uh, when I was there, I, I didn't spot any tigers, but I did spot uh, leopard. So uh, it's got tree houses. You can stay in the tree house in the middle of the forest. There are tribal settlements, and it's in the midst of that that this tree house is there. It comes with its own set of issues that, uh, you know, it, it has a bio toilet and stuff like that, but then you can't come out of it. It's in the, it's in the middle of the forest. You can't come out of it after 8 in the evening and before uh, 7, I think, in the morning. And uh, no drinking, no smoking and things like that. Lights off by 8 p.m. And, uh, and all of that, because otherwise it's a it's a magnet for animals to come in and then you're asking for disaster. But it's beautiful nonetheless. You're living in the middle of the forest and the sounds of the forest all around you. Fabulous experience, right? The history and culture of Palakkad, what else is there? Ah, they, yeah, there's a Palakkad fort. That is the uh, 18th century fort. It was built by Hyder Ali, father of Tipu Sultan. still stands tall. Very well maintained. It's a place of uh, wonder, really, if you walk around the place. And I've spent many a day there. It's, it's a, there's, there's an outer party which is a forest area there are a few tribal settlements Kerulas, uh, uh, the Mudugars etc. It's fascinating uh, that uh, so it's about 100 kilometers from Balga town it's beautiful you know for instance uh, the tribes there they they worshippers of Shiva and they believe that there is a mountain there this mountain itself is a Shivalinga, is what they believe of Shiva and so they worship the mountain fascinating isn't it the uh, uh, gramam of palakkad i told you that there are a lot of tamil brahmins who kind of uh, moved into palakkad from tamil nadu and kind of stayed there that was the access point so they formed an ancient settlement of tamil brahmins here now that's a completely different culture that that settlement is there you know a few families there still follow the uh, age old tamil brahmin customs and uh, nothing is written it's orally transmitted from generation to generation and uh, uh, vedic knowledge and it, it's fabulous <laughs> and and part of it in Kalpati, one of the villages, um, is preserved in the same way as it once was in terms of architecture, in terms of uh, way of life and all of that. It, it is protected really. And uh, the families that live there are given some kind of grant to ensure that they don't change the architecture of the houses, etc. I don't know about the Jain temple, at like Jain Vedu in Palakkad. It's just three kilometers from the town center and today you won't even recognize it. But uh, the belief is that it was built by Jain, head of Palakkad, uh, called Inchana Satu. He built it about uh, five hundred years back in honor of the Jain sage called Chandra Swami. Idols of Chandranathaswamy, Swami, Vijay Lakshmi, Dwala Mohini, Rishabhanatha, and Parsamnatha. All, all of them in a simple, elegant Jain style, you know how it is, you know. Um so, so that's that still exists. And lots and lots of legends about it. The Vadakandara temple, the Manapulika, the Kalpati Agraharam, the Kumarapuram temple, the Emur Bhagavadi temple, or the Kalekulangara Bhagavadi temple. Lots of them, lots of them. There's a Tiruvala Shiva temple. So interestingly, the Emur Bhagavadi temple or the uh, Kalekulangara Bhagavadi temple, the locals believe that the uh, goddess there is in three forms Saraswati in the morning, Lakshmi in the afternoon, and Durga Devi in the evening. This is a land of festivals. Some of the festivals are, uh, or one of the festivals is one that uh, celebrates that 10th century victory over the King of Komunat for the King of Palakar etc. That still continues. So, there are lots of them. There, there are these chariot festivals in Kalpati. There are the Belas, which are those celebrations that I talked about at Manakulikawa, at Nemmara Velangi, and uh, Patambi, and, and lots of them. Very nice art forms, very, very interesting kind of uh, visit. If you have been intrigued by this, Go visit Palakkad. go visit an ordinary town that hides a lot of extraordinariness under it. Avoid the summers though, the heat can be unbearable. If you love the water and you're willing to uh, get wet to see the fresh green beauty really, then the monsoons are good, that's June to August. But September to February is probably the best time to visit. Very easy to get to Palakkad. You can fly into Coimbatore, almost every town has a flight to Coimbatore or, or a one-stop flight to Coimbatore. Or you could take a train, this is the entry point to Kerala, so all, almost all trains to Kerala will stop at Palakart. Road access is as usual fantastic in this region, lots of buses, lots of taxi services, etc. So connectivity is not an issue. But you know, Palakart camouflages uh, the extraordinary beneath a facade of complete ordinariness. That's what strikes me. It hides a huge treasure trove of uh, stories, legends, places, most of it forgotten. Isn't this true for most forgotten, small, nondescript towns? Think about any other such town that you know of, maybe your hometown, itself. Do some research. Maybe you'll come up with lots of interesting stuff, I'm telling you. Folks have written a lot on the large cities and uh, significant cities, etc. But the insignificant, seemingly insignificant cities hide quite a lot of significance under it. Every town has something of significance. Provided we just look for it. And look hard enough for it. Thanks. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to the Beyond Experiences Travel Podcast. Don't trip on the usual. Till the next one. Take care. Stay safe. And whatever else you do, don't trip on the usual.